Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Cool. Well, great to be here with everybody. Um, As I mentioned before, I'm excited for James chapter four, timely, convicting, challenging. Um, As Garth mentioned, it it is a very challenging book in the Bible. And, you know, throughout James writing in this chapter, you hear one of the things I noticed, and I was reading a great commentary on it as well, is you do hear these these hints of the Sermon of the Mount. Like you could tell James was was like very aware of the teachings of Jesus, obviously, given a close relation to him. And and um, you can just hear that throughout. So think about the Sermon of the Mount, you know, as we go through this, like, you know, do not judge and take the plank out of your own eye, right? And talking about ask, knock, seek, like all of those things that that we talk about. And you can see hints of that. Like if you're angry, it's murdering and it's just really cool to, to hear that throughout James. And he puts it together in a very practical way. And it's uh, his audience is the church. And I appreciate what we went through last week with Jeff and just talking about, or two weeks ago with, with just wisdom, right? He was big on wisdom, how we use our words, the, the tongue and the dangers of the tongue. He doesn't completely leave that theme either here. He, he kind of ties it back together uh, with the previous chapter. So Um, you know, think about some of those things as we go through this, you know, James was known as a prophet pastor and, uh, you can, it's for good reason because, you know, prophets, they get to the heart of the matter pretty quickly. They cut through all the fluff. Um, and he just gets directly to the point. And so when preaching a chapter like this, it's challenging because you try to, as you read it, all of like the negative comes to you, like, don't do this, don't do that. And then but as you take a closer look, you can see a lot of the encouragement built into it um, as you look for it. And so uh, tonight's going to be both challenging, but hopefully also encouraging. I wonder, I do wonder sometimes how James would have been, you know, received then and even today. Like, did people think he was too kind of Old Testament for them? I mean, you hear also some Amos in here. You, he references the scriptures like, this call to repentance is it's very obvious, right? Is what James is doing. And so I was wondering, you know, would they have thought at the time, even, wow, he's a little bit too, you know, too old Testament, too prophetic in nature. And so I pray for us. He's not right. It's the word of God. So we want to be able to hear it. We want to have soft hearts with it. And uh, the first thing, as we jump into it here is we're just going to talk about the cause of fights. You know, James starts off with like, here's what causes fights and and quarrels and so we're gonna we're gonna read that but before we do you know you can think to yourself have you ever had a conflict in the church with any disciple with any disciple ever had a conflict right i think one time or another we all have had conflict within the church right conflict is a part of life right it's a part of how we grow it's a part of uh that iron sharpens iron and sometimes we handle conflict in a in a in a spiritual righteous way and sometimes we handle conflict in a very unrighteous, sinful way, right? We always have, you know, those, those choices, you know, so we're going to have in the course of our lives as a, as a church, as disciples, we're going to have disagreements, tension, 
and conflict, but how we handle these conflicts is what separates us from the world. So as I mentioned before, think about that Sermon on the Mount. Take the plank out of your own eye but so you can take the speck. Like all of that is part of this. So we're going to read verse one through four. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on pleasures. And so what causes fights, right? James says, it's the desires that battle within you. I mean, so it's largely selfish desires. And so James is not just talking about disagreements. He's not condemning disagreements in and of themselves because we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have differing opinions. What he talks about and he's condemning is our fights and quarrels. You know, disagreements are a part of, of growth for a growing church, right? For a growing disciple, we gotta, we gotta be able to hear different opinions and be, uh, and have these other thoughts and have our thoughts challenged, right? That's a part of, of growing. But once again, what James is talking about is fighting and quarreling amongst us, right? Believers, disciples, you know, and included in that, and we're going to read later in this, in this, in this chapter, but slandering, um, judgment, a sinful kind of judgment. But those are things that James is really attacking. And he comes in swinging in chapter four, like what are the, what's causing this among you guys? So obviously there's fights and quarrels that are happening. And he's like, it's because you have these desires within you. Right. And for, and for James fighting and quarreling amongst disciples is an outrageous evil. And it undermines the witness and testimony of the church. It was very, very serious to James. It was serious enough to dedicate this whole chapter to it. Honestly, a lot of the book of James is dedicated um, to this topic. And I think it's important for us because we can be very critical and judgmental, right? Um, Jeff talked about that last week. It's, it's kind of, it comes naturally, right? To not be encouraging, to be a little bit more critical, and it, it especially happens in our arrogance. And that's another theme uh, throughout James. Like if we're thinking we're awesome and we did it ourselves, right? It's a, it's a lot easier uh, to look down on people, to look down on things and be more critical. And I wanna encourage us today to have conversations, right? So when we're, when we're tempted to be critical, slanderous, gossipy, quarreling, right? How easy is it to just pick up the phone and call somebody, right? And it's important that we're not critical, but we're having conversations. I told you James comes in hot here. So let me, let me paint a picture for you why this is so important to James and why not quarreling and fighting should be also really important to us. So paint the picture. So imagine uh, you have this new Christian in the church who loves the church. They're grateful to the church. They're like, wow, you guys, man, study the Bible with me. You help me understand, you know, what it meant to be a disciple. Like I'm, I'm saved because of because of you guys, because of this church. And let's say you on the other hand, right? You've been around for over 10 plus years and uh, you've been hurt by someone and you never fully resolve the issue. So, so you kind of let your guard down and you talk disparagingly to this new Christian about you know, this other individual. Let's say it's covered up with you know, some spirituality and some, you know, but this or that, right? But still like it's, it's, it's uh, demeaning or it's, uh, tarnishing the reputation of a particular individual, uh, possibly in this new Christian's eyes. 
And so this new Christian is going to be like, what is this? And rightfully so, like this should not happen in the church. We all have to be committed to not allowing this to happen in the church, right? I'm not talking about disagreements. I'm talking about slander, fighting, quarreling, right? Because this can hurt the faith of other people and this can undermine the integrity of the church. And we don't want to do that. I know none of us do. But when we do that, we can, we can actually, wow, someone comes in with this fresh faith, right? And then we kind of make some comments to them about somebody else. And like, wait, what? We do that as disciples? It's kind of, it's a, it's a bad example to so many. And we can all very easily fall into this. I mean, gossip, saying things offhanded, off the cuff, it can come very naturally, right? But what do you do when you're hurt? when you disagree, when you're triggered, right? That's a, in this social media world, there's a lot of triggering things, right? What do you do when you're triggered? And I think all of us as a church, we need to say no more. I'm not going to be slanderous. I'm not going to be judgmental about somebody else. You know, if I am ever being slanderous or judgmental, rebuke me, like talk to me about that with love, hopefully, but, but talk to me about that. And if you come to me and you're critical about someone else in the church or without having had the necessary conversations, if I love you, you should expect me to challenge you. And I think that's the kind of culture we want to have where we're having either conversations with people or with God or, you know, directly uh, addressing things rather than letting it spill out, you know, into other people's lives and issues, right? So James because conflict will be a part of our lives and because the way we respond to conflict can often be challenging especially if it triggers something in us or if we the way we were raised or, or or the way we think about certain things right and so james gives us some some tips here for how to how to go about conflict in a in a righteous way and the three things that we can do and we're going to dig into this more in the book of james is we can first analyze our desires then we have a choice and we want to choose god and lastly it's repent so I love it because James says it's these desires that are that are within us that cause fighting and quarreling. So a great question that we can always ask ourselves when we feel this desire to fight or to quarrel or to slander or to judge is we can ask ourselves, what desire am I trying to protect or gain? You know, James, like, like I mentioned, he says it's these desires that battle within us and we seek to, you know, we want something. And so we cry out and sometimes it cries out through anger or argument or disagreements, right? Or like violent disagreements, let's say. I don't mean like physical, but it can just get a little heated, even if in your own heart, right? And we have to ask ourselves that question, like, what is my desire? What's the thing that's waging war within me that I feel like I have to take some action, you know, to make it happen? So some of the manifestations of this can, it can lead to inflexibility. So we desire to have our way. I like the way things are with this. I like, this is comfortable to me. So this desire, like I don't want things to change. I want things to stay the same. This can lead to inflexibility, right? This can also manifest in seeking status, position or admiration within the community. So you desire to be, we can at times desire to be recognized, right? Like who, who doesn't like getting recognized? And I want to be recognized. I want my, my gifts and my skill set. I want admiration within my church community. And let's say you don't have the platform you would like, or um, it, you're not being embraced to the degree or admired, let's say, because I, I believe this church is super loving and super embracing. But let's say you're not getting the admiration, right? So then we can start to fight and quarrel. Like you're not recognizing me. And then you 
And then you could just be critical. Everything else everybody's doing is bad. Your ideas are the best. I'm just saying what some temptations are, right? The third thing is we can want to look good, right? We desire to want to look good, to have this great reputation. And the temptation that can lead to in terms of fighting and quarreling can be to criticize other people. Those are a few of the ways that these desires within us waging war can actually manifest themselves in some, some pretty and some ways that can really wreck and destroy relationships and really hurt the church as well. And one way we, we can tend to justify fighting is we can say, oh, if I didn't do that, this would have happened. So, you know, I prevented something from happening. I prevented something worse from happening. So James renders this logic indefensible because of the alternative that we have, which is prayer. We always have the option to deal with conflict, disagreement, these desires within us. We always have the option to pray. And James is saying, instead of any of these other ways of dealing with this, pray about the desires that you have. Pray through your desires, right? David is such a great example of this throughout the Psalms of just praying through his desires, being raw and honest with God. So an encouragement built into this passage that comes across as just like, oh, like this is serious, is that God wants to hear your prayers and he wants to answer your prayers. James is basically saying we have access to God who can answer all of our prayers, who can give us the desires of our hearts, assuming that they're going to be in our best interest. And thank God, right, that he doesn't answer all of our prayers because, you know, I have a one and a half year old that wants to hold a knife. And if I let him, you would be like, I'm, that's, that's not a good dad right there, right? So, so God being the amazing father, he, is, he doesn't answer all of our prayers because some of them would be harmful to us. And we should definitely thank him uh, for that. But there's so many prayers um, that, that we just have to have the courage to pray for us to see results. There's this great quote uh, by Billy Graham. He says, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. Like imagine heaven being full of answers to your prayers that you didn't ask, right? Like that, that quote, like it both encourages me and challenges me. It encourages me to know that it's all available. It's all accessible, but it challenges me like, hey, when I'm feeling a lot, make sure I bring it to God in prayer. When I have these desires raging war within me, like, oh, I wish, oh, Lamisha, I want, you know, she wasn't super encouraging today. And, oh, you know, like I could just pray through it. I got, I pray Lamisha encourages me. I pray that, you know, things pick up here, you know? And I think that's how, that's a real way that creates real change in our lives. If we have faith in God and in prayer. You know, so what James is saying is fighting and quarreling, it reveals something about us and our relationship with God. There's a fracture when we fight and quarrel in our relationship with God. And it's saying and it's showing that we do not truly trust in God and in the power of prayer if we fight or quarrel. It's we're not trusting in prayer through that process. So to extend the logic of James here, if you get into fights, judge or slander people, you do not trust God or the power of prayer. And as we enter this, this election season, and it's been a very divisive time uh, for quite a, quite a bit already. So to extend James's logic even further, if you get into fights, judge, slander people through this election season, you do not trust God or in the power of prayer. Once again, James is not condemning disagreements and conversation. He is condemning fighting, slandering, and judging. Look, I love talking. I love discussing. I love debating. 
and and absolutely there's been times where i've needed to repent of the sin of of quarreling you know that's coming like my family we're crazy we fight we debate and so i love a healthy debate i love a healthy conversation i do i do need to be careful and that's all the debate the conversation is good and that's not what james is coming after he's talking about the judgment the slander and uh the quarreling and um so a question for you to think about on your own is what are things you know you want right now that's that's waging war within you some desires that 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 might want to make you pick a fight right have you prayed and did your prayers satisfy the the war that's being waged within you and i think just having a real deep faith in that prayer so the second thing james talks about here is you know in this in this solution being solution oriented he first says all right analyze your desires the second thing is is understanding we have a choice and we should always choose god so if you think about you know jesus and the sermon on the mount right he says there's two roads there's the wide road and then there's the narrow road and there's two options and you can hear that clearly coming through much of you know james's like what he writes, but specifically here as well, as we read in James chapter four, verse four through 12. And in a Christian worldview, there's two choices. There's the wide gate, narrow gate. There's heaven, there's hell. There's God or the world, right? And so James chapter four, verse four through 12, it says, you adulterous people. Once again, James comes in swinging. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So you hear through that. There's the world, there's God, right? There's the wide path. There's the narrow path. And keep in mind, James is speaking to Christians, right? So when there's a reference to the world, typically the world means, you know, the pattern following the pattern of the world. So it encompasses the patterns of human life contrary to God's will. So things that are contrary to God's will, i.e. sin, are just patterns of dealing with things that are just contrary to what God would want for us and for his people. So as we talk about worldliness um, and patterns of worldliness that causes divisions, causes fights, causes quarreling, I want to talk honestly about some things I've seen um, in, terms of, in terms of quarreling and things that cause division. I think social media divisiveness is, is huge right now, and it's on all sides. And I'm not talking about stating your opinion or, hey, I prefer this candidate or I prefer that candidate. Um, and, and specifically, I'm talking also about political uh, things that are divisive. And, and once again, it comes from all sides. And what I mean by that is intentionally triggering or inconsiderate posts or comments, right? So you post something and it's like, it's just meant to stir up conflict or ruffle people's feathers. And 
And it just, all it does is serve to, you know, make somebody angry. And I think, you know, this would be an example. Oh, if you support this person, you are this, right? Or I bet people on the left or people on the right don't want to hear this. And it, it's like, it's these comments that are intentionally triggering. There's a reason why these posts are created and these posts are made. And one of the things that's good to do with social media is, is ask yourself, because when you share something based on algorithms, you're actually supporting that organization. So it's also important to know what organization you're supporting by sharing or liking a particular piece of content, because you're actually really supporting them, like find it like is like even money, you know, because you're helping their algorithms to such a large degree. But I think there's things that are designed to intentionally trigger emotional reactions. And those are the things that cause division amongst Christians. You know, there's nothing wrong with your opinion and those things, but, but, but why state it in such a manner? And just to, just to throw this out there, if you repost something, people are going to attribute the caption to you as well. That's just a natural inclination. So factor that into what you post is the caption is also going to be attributed um, that you believe the same thing uh, pretty much verbatim about what you're posting. So if you don't post any like disclaimer or whatever, then that's what's going to be thought. And I think we just have to raise our emotional online IQs a little bit more just to really think. And if you don't know, just run it by somebody or pray. It's a pretty easy kind of self-protection that we can do when we want to post something. Um, you know, the scriptures talk about, talks about everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Sure. You have the right, right. To post whatever you want, but is it really going to be constructive to building a Christian unity uh, amongst us? Right. And let me just tell you something with your tri with triggering posts. If you happen to do this, if anybody does this, you're not winning anybody over. You're not helping people see the light. If you think you're going to be able to post something that you're going to get somebody to radically change the way they view the world, you're mistaken. And the only thing it's going to do is further your opponent. If that's how you view them to dig their heels in deeper, but we're not, we can destroy all enemies by making friends of people, right? And I think that should be, that's, a, that's, that's what Jesus taught us, right? He's called Judas friend. So Jesus didn't have enemies because he called even the person that betrayed him friend. So in befriending people, we can have no enemies at all, right? Another thing that I see is publicly trading blows with people on political matters, right? So it's like, hey, somebody posts something and so we're going to jump in the comments and we're just going to like fight it out in the comments section. You know, I like, I appreciate what Michael Burns said. The only time he'll comment on what somebody does or says, if it's a leader. And I believe he gets that line of thinking from when uh, Paul rebuked Peter openly because, you know, Peter was a leader. So it was important that publicly people saw that that was wrong. And I, I would imagine, I don't know, but it's my thought about why he would do that only for a leader. Um, and here's another way. So, okay, to flip the script a little bit, let's say a brother or sister actually posts something that's majorly triggering, right? And it's like very unwise and it's not the right thing to do. And let's say now you publicly or privately lambast them, slander them or judge them, right? We're, we're still in violation of this. We're not, we, we don't have the moral high ground just because we didn't post it and now we're slandering and judging them, right? We're falling into the same thing. And you will find when you have these conversations, and I, I've had a few of them and they've been great and they've been awesome, that there's a story behind it or there was a, I didn't know, or I didn't see it, or I didn't fully like, oh, I didn't even catch that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. 
you know, they didn't see something that was written. They didn't see that one little curse word in the description or, or whatever it might be, or, or, you know what, they, they're just so upset about the way things are going. And that conversation actually allows you to be an emotional support for them. You know, and we may hear a lesson like this and say, yeah, James, and you know, they're horrible people. They're posting this crazy triggering stuff. And if we think that we would be missing the point because if we're just mad at people, we're still slandering them, right? And, and that is also what James is talking about. And this is really, really serious to James and it needs to be serious to us because James throws out this scandalous accusation. He says, you adulterous people. And he is speaking to Christians. And he is again, warning those who call themselves Christians that they may be false Christians who are really enemies of God. That's strong. That's strong for Christians. And we have to take that very seriously. J James shows us this, this heart of a person with deep conviction that takes sin seriously. James here takes the sin of dividedness towards God and infighting much, I would argue, much more seriously than I believe many of us do, including myself. You know, the fact, the idea that I could have a quarrel or a fight or just ongoing beef, let's call it, with another brother, like that should, that should rock my world. Like that's how important this is to James, that we're not openly fighting and quarreling uh, with each other. James, James shows us his incredible heart. And here's this, this encouraging part, right? Is he also gives us the way back, right? Just like Jesus, and Jesus is the way back, right? And, and James gives us his way back, and that's repentance. And James has these, and, and um, it's all, if you study out this chapter, he has these 10 imperatives, right? And they're organized in couplets. So that means they're, or there's five groups of two. And, the, and I'll get into a couple of those in a second. But in the origin of this, this repentance that we're going to talk about, and the characteristics of repentance, is God's grace, he states in verse six that God gives us more grace. We have the opportunity to change the patience of God, the long suffering of God, right? And it starts and ends with humility and submission. So I'm gonna go over three of these couplets. So six things total. And this is all this incredible, incredible description of repentance. These, look at these as characteristics of repentance. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. This is assurance of God's readiness and availability. That as we turn away from sin, turn to God, God is readily available. The second characteristic of repentance, he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this idea that we purify ourselves on the inside from our heart, right? We don't want to be, as, as Jesus talked about, these whitewashed tombs. We want to be clean from the inside and the outside. So meaning our behavior as well reflects this internal uh, relationship with God. You know, we don't want to just look the part of being a Christian. We want to be a Christian from the inside out. The third characteristic of repentance he talks about, he says, grieve, mourn, and wail, right? You can hear like, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those, right? You can hear some of that in this. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. You can also hear Amos where he's like calling people to repent. And this is a part of repentance that's very important. And it's taking sin serious. You know, being really serious and not casual about sin. Oh yeah, I just got this beef going on with this person. No, we can't be flippant or casual about sin, especially when it comes to fighting and quarreling. I'm not, once again, not disagreements, not differing opinions, fighting and quarreling. 
do you still take this sin serious? Do you take the sin of, of, of fighting, quarreling, criticalness, judgmentalism, slander, serious? James here at the end in verse 11 and 12, he gets back to in case, he's like, in case you guys missed it, I'm going to kind of get back to this topic that I'm talking about. And he, and he talks about, you know, brothers and sisters in verse 11, he says, do not slander one another. If you speak against anybody or you judge anybody, you, you're speaking against the law and you're judging it. And then he kind of goes on and he says, who are we, you know, to judge anybody? And really quick, just mentioning these, you know, slander, right? It's a destructive verbal attack. It can be a, you know, gossip, false accusation. It's tarnishing the reputation of somebody in someone else's eyes. Um, speaking against, that's uh, self-explanatory in a lot of ways. It's, it's part of that, that slander and diminishing somebody. Judging, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because, you know, Paul in another letter talks about, yeah, we should be judging those inside the church. Yet here James talks about, you know, we don't want to judge. So that doesn't mean there's a contradiction. It just means we have to understand scripture in light of other scripture, right? So think about this in terms of showing judgment instead of mercy. So James is talking about not making a judgment about the content of somebody or the value of somebody or who the entirety of a person is, because we don't know anyone well enough to know and define they are this way or they are this type of person, right? That is something reserved for God. God knows us inside and out. We do not know other people inside and out. And so we should, we should really err on the side of showing mercy uh, rather than judgment when we're thinking about, hey, I want to classify this person this way. Like I want to put this person in this box so I can just always have them organized and collated in my, in my mind, right? So when I see them, the file comes up and they're this, right? If, if at any point in your life, there's somebody that comes up to you and there's a file that comes up and they're this, and that this is negative, you're guilty of judging them. And think about that politically. Okay, you found out such and such likes this candidate. Now they're in this box, racist. No, 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 can't do that, right? It same goes for the other side, right? Oh, they vote for this person, they come up in this box. You can say, oh, they, um, they're, they, they, they're okay with uh, you know, abortion. It's like, no, no, we can't put anybody in any boxes, right? We don't know, it's too complex. I know I'm talking specifically a lot about politically just because that's where we are, but this goes for, for anything. That file should not come up and it should not be uh, terribly negative. And, um, but I will say, to be honest with you guys, you know, my love has been challenged uh, this, this political election season in the last uh, many months. Uh, a lot of it has been during COVID. And I would imagine uh, many of you, your love has also been challenged. Perhaps you have the gift of love and it's never challenged. And if so, um, help me out. You know, I think it's been a challenging time this election season. It really has. But, you know, as I think about what James is talking about, it gives me a lot of relief to know that I don't have to judge. I don't have to be the one to sort it all out. You know, that God's going to be the one to sort it all out. And uh, I don't know a person by the way they vote. I don't know the value of the entirety of somebody by the way that they vote. I certainly have my opinions, right? As many of us do uh, about this, but I don't, I can't say this person is this uh, based on that or for any other reason. Uh, who am I to do that, right? So, and I shouldn't judge a person by what they post either. Listen, we can say, you know, this is where that judgment is different. Hey, if it's, if it's sinful, we can say as Christians at the church, like, I think that post crossed the line. Right. That's a that's a judgment uh, that I believe falls into what Paul is talking about, where we can judge one another in the church. Like if there's a brother, like, OK, you're sexually immoral. Like, OK, it's OK to say that's wrong. Right. It's OK to say that's a sin. Uh, but what James is talking about here is that we're not saying 
you're this because of, of that particular post. And if somebody posts about, you know, racial issues, that doesn't mean, oh, you're an activist or, you know what I mean? We should be able to have this freedom to talk without being, you know, risking being, you know, classified or put into a box. Um, and James says, because when we do this, we're judging the law. And he's talking about this royal law to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we do that, we're actually saying, I know better than the law. I know better than this command to love one another. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and judge this person because I know better. So that's what James is referring to here. Lastly, and we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. I told you there's a lot of great stuff in here, but I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Is a scripture on humility before God. So in verse 13, James says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So this summed up, it's don't be arrogant. You know, this arrogance is this theme that flows throughout and this causes fights and quarrels, you know, thinking we know best. And, and James is talking to, there must have been in, in these, these arrogant businessmen in the church because they're talking about carrying on business and he challenges, challenges them. And um, there's three things he challenges them on. They're arrogant in knowledge. So thinking they know uh, that tomorrow and beyond will exist for them. They're arrogant in their attitude. So we will go to do this and that, and we're going to make a killing. We're going to make a lot of money. They're also arrogant in their behavior. So they knew the good that they should be doing, but instead they chose to carry out what they wanted in their will for their lives. So thinking that they knew best. So it's an encouragement to, as we go about our work, to not have an arrogant mindset. And to remember, we're utterly dependent on God's grace to live each 24-hour day. And the only reason we have each day is only because God allows us to. You know, if you're successful in your job or you're successful in your school or your education, it's important to remember the only reason that you have success or you're smart or you're brilliant or you are socially adept, whatever, is only because of the grace of God and nothing else. That's what allows us to have what we have and to keep going every day. And if we can remember that, that we're this mist, we're here for a little while. Let's just spray this mist and Phil Arsenal sprayed this mist one time. And he said, that's you. I mean, imagine this little speck of mist. And like, that's you right there. And yet we can take ourselves so serious and get so puffed up. And to me, that's a great relief to know that my problems, my issues, they're not that big. Um, this or that particular issue is not that big, that we're just a mist. Right. And so wrapping up with James here, James teaches us, uh, you know, where fighting and quarreling comes from. He admonishes and he gives us some tips to resolve it. He admonishes us against arrogance that leads to this fighting and quarreling. He shows us the way back to God, right? It's through prayer, repentance, and grace. And he also gives this incredible vision for a church that is truly countercultural. And truly, as Jeff mentioned in his sermon recently, uh, alternative, that is nothing like the world. Imagine when November rolls around and the whole world is fighting each other and everyone is scared and fearful, yet we love each other more than ever. How countercultural will that be? How much of an alternative will we be to the rest of the world? And so now we can put the things 
and the safeguards and the armor and the boundaries and everything else in place and really put James chapter four into practice so that we can live out that vision of an alternative to the world. Let's pray for our desires. Let's have conversations instead of judgment. Let's make a conscious decision every day to choose God and not the world. Thank you guys so much. I uh, appreciate your time. And uh, the breakout questions are also in the app. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.